friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right, welcome to Girlfriend It. This is Patty Wyatt, and today we have a treat for you. Uh, we have Jane Clark, uh, an author and, and just an amazing woman, back on our show. And we're talking about if you're that parent with an adult child who's still single, or you've come to realize you might not ever have a human grandchild, but you have five grand Australian shepherds, uh, or perhaps you just have come to the conclusion that it's their journey and you can't force your journey on your adult children. So welcome, Jane. Thank you for being on the show again. And first of all, I just have to ask you a question. What is the one thing that you have like on your bucket list or your dream list that you would like to check off? Wow. Uh, first of all, hi, Patty, and thanks again for having me. Um, well, one thing that I've wanted to do and first was not able to do it because I wanted to stay closer to home, uh, meaning the United States, because my, my mother was suffering with Alzheimer's for years. Um, she died a couple of years ago, but then because of COVID have not been able to do would be to do some traveling. I've only been out of the United States once and really enjoyed it and was hoping that I could do that again someday. I love so, that. Any specific place you would like to travel well, to? Well, you're going to think this is nuts. But one of the things that I've really wanted to do was to go to Australia and volunteer at the Australian Zoo because you can hold koalas and help feed animals and things like that. And I I've just, I love animals. So I, I just wanted to do something like that. Okay, that's fun. I have actually gone to Australia and I've gone to the zoo and it is amazing. And I can't imagine actually working in the zoo. So that that tops it to actually be there so you can touch all the animals. That's that's fabulous. So so you have some animals right now, I take it. Uh, I have one. I have uh, currently a seventh-month-old rescue kitten who is a handful. But, um, yeah, I only have one, but I enjoy, I guess I'm kind of like the aunt or the grandmother. I've, I've thought about having a dog, but decided it was too much work. So I have dogs that people, friends with dogs that I can go visit and play with and pet and even take for walks. But then I get to leave the hard work with them and come back home to a very easy cat. <laughs> well, you know what? Since you said that, I want I want to address that when you talk about babysitting, because uh, you are the author of a Strug struggling with singleness, and it's such an enticing book that opened up my eyes to so many things. But there's the comments of when I I've heard from some of my single friends, like they'll babysit for not animals but babies for like their friends <laughs> and and families and there will be comments like they are less than because they're single um, when they're leaving like oh if you know when you're here don't give the baby a bath without watching them or don't give them any of your steak you know like like you're absolutely clueless in life 
And because you're single and you're not a mom, you're obviously incompetent or you haven't figured these things out yet. And it's the, one of my friends mentioned that it's just another whisper from the enemy saying you must be a failure to, you know, to move forward in life because this is how people are treating you. Uh, it's, it's as if we treat marriage and motherhood as a prerequisite to becoming fully human or you, you know what I'm getting at here? Have you had that in your, in your lifetime where you felt that way just by even babysitting someone's child? I have, but uh, to be honest, I didn't necessarily chalk it up to my being single because I have seen the changes that have happened in parenting over the years where even young parents won't leave their children alone with their own parents Mm. because they're afraid they're going to do something or not do something. And I'm I am sort of sitting outside of that, and I'm like, you realize they raised you, and you're still here to have a kid, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's been intriguing. So it kind of doesn't surprise me if that can happen, that at times they're going to question my ability to keep the child alive while they're gone. But (laughs) I, I, I have done that, and the children have actually not only survived, but thrived and enjoyed it and developed my relationship, you know, become that aunt um, to other people's kids. Uh, So I do think as singles, I think there's a legitimate place to feel kind of sensitive to things, but also we as singles need to realize, am I feeling, am, am I overly sensitive to certain things or reading into things? So there's both sides of that spectrum. Does that mm. make sense? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And a, a couple of things I want to cover in this episode um, through your book, Struggling Through Singleness. The first one, so I just went with a bunch of my girlfriends. There's a, a group of us that we raised our children together in the neighborhood. And now we still try to get together once a month, once every other month. Um, and we have adult children now and half of the the adult children are single and all of us had been married by this point. So we're looking at our kids going, what's going on? Why are you still single? What's happening in our culture that people are getting married as they're you know so much older or they're choosing singleness or they're struggling through singleness and as a parent, you're looking at them going, you know, how can I help you? How can I introduce you to somebody? Why aren't you getting out there? And you see them, once again, from a parent's perspective, as, oh, you're hurting for them and they're so lonely and they've they've shared their, their comments on there's just no way to meet anyone and all you can do is meet people online, but I don't want to go, you know, get online. I want it to happen organically. I want God to just wave that magic wand and, and have this perfect human there for me. So as a parent, you're struggling watching your kids go through this. So that's one one question there. How does a parent deal with that? And then how do you, especially through COVID, I think it's even harder to meet someone. And you share a little bit this about this in your book of struggling with the loneliness. 
So what, what are some tips there? And can you share a little bit about how you have got, what loneliness you have gone through? Sure. Um, first of all, in terms of the parents being concerned about their, their adult children, uh, that's something I, also, I went through, and this was years ago, obviously, but um, I remember my grandmother, my grandmother lived with us from the time I was eight, and I, had, I graduated college, I come home, and she didn't tell me congratulations, she just said, she called me an old maid. <laughs> I was 23, mm-hmm. and I graduated college, and I wasn't married, so it's like, oh, I guess I failed. My job in college was not to get an education, it was to get married. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, but even then, things things were changing, and it's like I, I did not. But that it, personally, in my for me, I did not want to get married in college or right out of college. I wanted some time to live as an adult myself, independently, not realizing it was going to turn into a lifetime of living single as a single adult. But um, but my my mother and I talked about it too, and and not surprisingly, she yearned for me to be married for the companionship, for the security that she thought it was going to bring. And uh, she never put any pressure on me, but I would imagine too that, that I would give her grandchildren because I think uh, for a mom, if you have a daughter, having a a grandchild through your daughter is a little bit different than your daughter-in-law having a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and honestly, that is maybe one regret that I have that I never did get married and, and, give grandchildren to my mom, but my, she never said a thing about it. And my mm-hmm. brother and his wife have children. So, and their children have now had children, but, um, but I think mom, even as the years it, it, through my twenties and into early thirties, so many of my friends had gotten married. And so she thinks they're in the ideal situation and I'm not, but sadly, several of those marriages broke up very quickly mm-hmm. and just the heartache and the devastation and some of them had already had young children and now those broken families and these little kids broke growing up I think that changed her perspective that mm-hmm. she was just as glad and that I had been saved that and had rushed into it just for the sake of being married so I think that when we we look at something we tend to idealize it and think this is going to be the answer. Or again, she was concerned I wasn't going to be able to make my way. And I'm like, thanks a lot, mom. And she saw that <laughs> I actually was able to make my way and feed myself and everything else. And that relieved some of her concerns. Um, so I think it's good and natural for parents to want that for their children. But obviously, they need their children are now adults themselves. They're living at a time where the average age of marriage has gone up pretty substantially. You know, it used to be early 20s, right out of college, after college, and now it's pushing up into the 30s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's, but I don't know, honestly, how many parents are aware of that, that things have changed. And there's lots of reasons that play into it. Part of it is economics, that it's just people are graduating college with debt. People, they, they're finding it hard to even find a place to live. Housing costs are high. There's just some practical aspects to it. And, um, and quite honestly, I think that there are some challenges that have come by the ways that dating was talked about with younger generations and being, a, there's a lot of confusion about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you haven't 
if, if, if you grow up thinking that dating is wrong and you're supposed to be courting, as I don't know what that looks like. I don't know the, how that happens. There's just a lot of different things that have played into that. But I, mm-hmm. I think, too, that, well, there's two things. I'll, I'll say this in the home and this in the church, maybe. One is, um, I have... I have grown up, lived my entire adult, or my, basically my whole life, I have grown, been in the church. And I could count on one hand the, I've, the number of sermons I've heard or Sunday school lessons on singleness. Mm-hmm. But I, could, I don't have enough hand, fingers and toes to count up the number either of sermons or theories on marriage and family. So I think that one thing that the church could do, recognizing, too, where we are culturally, is to cast a vision for singleness, because every single person lives as a single person to some age. Some get married younger, some get married older, some never get married, but everyone lives as a single person. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? And, and, you know, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7, that when you're single, you have the freedom to focus on the things of the Lord. And that doesn't mean everybody becomes a missionary or a pastor or something, I don't think. I, you know, it can be serving in the church. And yet, ironically, in the church sometimes, singles, if you've never married, are almost seen as suspect, like irresponsible mm-hmm. or not fully developed, as you were mentioning, as mm-hmm. opposed to, no, they, they're free and, and can focus even more on ministry. Now, Honestly, that can go the other extreme, and people try to put everything on singles where you don't have a a husband or kids to think about, um, and not realizing, yeah, I don't, but that means I have to do every single thing for myself. I have to cook all my meals, grocery shop, do the laundry, you know, get the car fixed. So you don't want to take that too far. But in any case, I would just urge um, leadership in the church to think about what does that mean, both for the kids growing up and the people in adulthood, single adults, as well as the parents. And so then getting to the parents, like, what is your greatest desire for your child? Is it that he or she become married and have children? Or is it that they would live faithfully before the Lord and learn contentment before the Lord, whatever he has for them? Be it vocationally, single, married, children, what have you. And so that um, again, it's wonderful to want that for your children, but you also need to make sure that it's held in the right place, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And in leaning into that, uh, it's, it's interesting because as you were sharing that about, you know, learning contentment from the Lord, one of the comments, uh, I, I heard a friend say was that we modeled such an amazing marriage, like, you know, we, we modeled this to you. Why do you not want that? And it, it's just such a paradigm shift to go, okay, yeah, you haven't fully succeeded in your life because you don't have that marriage partner rather than doing that mind shift and going, wait, what does that look like to be fully content? within the Lord rather than blaming and shaming them on why are you not trying harder? Why are you not getting yourself out there? You know, why are you staying at home gaming and and sitting in front of a computer? It, it's just interesting um, from that perspective of what you're sharing. 
Yeah, and you're putting your finger on something that really is problematic, where some some young adults, it's like this, are living as if it's an extended adolescence, where they are gaming all the time or in front of a computer, as opposed to, um, and, and I, I, I have a hard time uh, sometimes with uh, where uh, the, uh, I'm trying to say, where grown kids, young adults come back and they're living in the house they grew up in and they're living there rent free, not, mm-hmm. not contributing to the household, taking on things. And the, it's like, the, it usually falls to the mom to keep things going. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. they need to be paying rent and doing their own laundry. They need to live as adults, even if they are living under your roof, that's mm-hmm. not helping them down the road. And it's not helping you. Like you shouldn't be stuck doing the same things you were doing when they were 10 and 12 and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole, that's a whole nother episode because (laughs) we do a whole episode on that. Um, I I think we're, we're doing a, a lot of harm for our adult children when we're allowing them to live and that's happening all over, right? Where you, you yeah. hear that the millennials are still living in the basement. Not not all of them. They say there's a there's a split between the millennials. Some of them are like, no, I have to get out. And then there's others that are, are still, I say, mooching off their parents because they, they haven't grown up. But um, going into the next part, talk about the loneliness uh, that you have, that you shared in your book. And what you you do to to help you get out of that that space that headspace of loneliness yeah well one of the things that people think which is understandable is thinking i'm lonely because i'm single if i had a partner somebody to share my life with then i wouldn't be lonely and Mm -hmm. there's there can be truth in that but again it's not a guarantee And especially when you realize that the first people to experience loneliness was a married couple. Mm. That was Adam and Eve. After Adam and Eve sinned, I mean, it's true that God said to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. But at the time, Adam was experiencing perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship. He had no other point of reference. Maybe he got an idea as the animals were paraded past him and he realized, you know, there was none like him. But that was something that God said, not something that Adam knew for himself. Mm. It wasn't until they rebelled, they disobeyed God and ate of the, the fruit of the tree, that all of a sudden, boom, they're hiding, they're covering themselves, their relationship with God is destroyed, their relationship with each other is destroyed, basically. You know, before he's saying, oh, you're bone of my bones. It's there's this love song that happens, and the next thing you know, he's blaming her. Well, it's a wife you gave me that made, she made me do it. That's, they were the first one to experience that separation, and it happened with a married couple. Mm. So uh, it's a fallacy to think that marriage is the answer to loneliness. Loneliness is the result of living as broken people in a broken world, but think about it, I believe that Jesus was the loneliest person who ever lived. I mean, he, he'd left the glories of heaven and all that he'd experienced there to take on flesh. And as a fully human person, 
you know, nobody really got who he was. And mm. then the loneliest moment, I think, in human history was when he is hanging on the cross, becoming sin for us, and his father has to turn his back on him. I, you know, I, I don't pretend to be able to explain that, of how one part of the Godhead turns his back on another part, but turns away from him so that Jesus is crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Just that that's sin. But he, he did that, went to the grave, rose again. And so because of what he did for us, the tide was turned on loneliness. It reversed it. Like now we can be re- restored in our relationship, reconciled to God through Jesus and one with other people. Mm. We have options available to us relationally that were not there before he did that. And so because of that, we can actually move, find comfort in our loneliness in a ways we couldn't before and move towards other people to alleviate their loneliness as well as our own. And I, I, I don't think it was in this mini book. There's another one called Single and Lonely that I think is where this is spelled out a little bit more, but that's talking about how um, it's kind of that dynamic I realized in myself growing up where as I was a lonely kid, and so what I would try to do, I was, I was funny, and I was a good listener, and so that's what I would do to make friends, but then I was afraid of them rejecting me, so I would end up in this kind of push-pull relationship and kind of sending out mixed messages, and not surprisingly, that had, had a detrimental impact on certain relationships that broke down. And that would be discouraging and sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. And then finally get too lonely again and I'd start over. But finally realizing, you know what? I'm not loving these people. I'm using them. Like their job was to make sure, was to accept me and make sure I didn't get lonely. As opposed to realizing I can live out of God's love for me, the way he's accepted me and all of that. And I can love them. I don't have to fear them the way that I did before. That doesn't have to rule my relationship. Not obviously... I'm still a fallen human being. I don't execute these things perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but at least I have some place to go and get reoriented and say, okay, Lord, I did it again. Please help me. Please forgive me. I want to love well and not just use other people to alleviate my loneliness, but be a person who helps alleviate other people's loneliness. Mm. Can you give an example of that? That's interesting of, how you had those friendships and, and, and the fact that you're saying fear them, like you're fearing that rejection, like Mm -hmm. what would be an example? Um, I think that, like I said, I would try, well, this is embarrassing, but in, in elementary school, you know, we're, all back in kindergarten and elementary school, right? Where these things, you see these things. And I was, I was a pretty smart kid. So I got, you get these horrible nicknames like Brainy Janie or Jane the Brain. And who wants to be that person? And people get mad at you because you screw up the curve or whatever. And so, so, so <laughs> I hope nobody I know is listening to this. Anyway, um, <laughs> I... So what do I want? I, I don't want to be that person. I want to be, I want to have friends. I don't want to be seen as the nerdy smart person. So I do have a sense of humor. And so I try to be funny or I, like I said, I, I love to listen to people. I love people's stories and people like to be listened to. 
So I would do that. But then, of course, um, there'll be times that I would want to share with somebody and they're tuning out after 10 minutes. And I'm like, what? I'm not saying this, but really, I listen to you for hours and you can't bother to listen to me for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And and that frustration would come out. But then it was like, oh, I can't get too frustrated. I can't show that. Or then they're going to get mad and reject me. But then it's like, I don't care. I'm so frustrated. Like, this is not right. And there would just be these dynamics that would go on. Um, there was another part that just slipped my mind. Oh, or I would do things intentionally. Oh, I know this person likes this, so I'm going to do this. Not because it's going to bless them, but because I know if I do that for them, they're going to like me. So that's, that is just feeding my desire, my idol of wanting to be accepted and mm-hmm. liked and loved and all the rest. But really, um, it has nothing to do with them. I'm basically using them to satisfy my desires as opposed yeah. to, you're somebody that God loves and I'm supposed to love you in his name. And so I can do the very same things that I was doing before, but now I can be doing it to actually really, truly bless them rather than with the expectation or demand to get something back. Yeah. Well, Jane, first of all, I just want to say it's such an honor to have you on the show again. uh, For those of you that have been listening to Jane, run and go get her book, Struggling Through Singleness. And two things, Jane. First of all, you you had Janie Brainy or Brainy Janie. I had Fatty Patty. So... But we have two minutes left. Could you just share a, a couple of tips for those that are dealing with this loneliness? And and we know now that through COVID, I mean, what is going on with people feeling isolated and and lonely and just that mental illness now that is it's it you know pharmaceutical sales are skyrocketing. What would be a tip there? Um, uh, two things. One is. Um, Lonely people feel like they are completely alone, and you are not alone. There is a, the Lord is there, the Lord knows, the Lord cares. And the second thing would be that it sounds counterintuitive, but when you're lonely, look around and you will see somebody else who is lonely and see what you can do. Write a note, make a call, pray for them, move towards other people who are lonely, even in your loneliness. And, and that is such a great tip. You know, we, we hear, you know, wounded people, wound people, hurting people, hurt people. Um, when you think of when you're lonely, move towards those that seem lonely so you can serve them and help them. And uh, there, I don't know, there's some statistic talking about that, that if you're like in a, an emergency or an airplane crash, uh if you are looking for those who need help and you try to help them in survival, your survival rate increases. Mm-hmm. So that's that's basically what you're saying. So awesome tips, um, awesome uh, just conversation. Thank you again, Jane, for being on the show. And you are listening to Girlfriend It, run and go subscribe. listening to girlfriend it because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life find us on facebook at girlfriend it hit subscribe to itunes or toginet.com 